Good morning, everybody, and welcome to do today's convocation. We would like to extend an especially warm welcome to the high school students that are visiting us today, and I hope that you guys are enjoying your stay here at Goshen. Um, those of you who you see before us uh, make up a part of the group of 23 students that went to Peru last summer, along with our two leaders, Bev Lapp and Dale Claussen, and their children, Greta and Naomi. My name is Matthew Rohde. And I'm Rachel Myers. We arrived in Peru late last May. Introduce the other people. Oh, yeah. Sorry, oh. we're going to introduce everybody else. Hey, um, I'm Sam Yoder. I'm Gabe Baker. Hello, Gonzalez. Johnny West. I'm Anna Yoder. Kyle Yoder. Christina Lichty. Hannah Esch. Kirsten Hartwig. Jessica Culp. Bethany Bauman. Loris Hess. Amanda Esch. Kristen Lugenbuehl. Amy Weimer. Christy Miller. Karen Graber. Marcos Coons. Greta Weaver. Chris Culp. Okay. So anyways, we arrived in Peru late last May, and it was actually Peru's, um, it was the end of their summer, beginning of winter, so the weather went from being very warm and sunny to cold and cloudy in Lima. Uh, in Lima, we lived with a variety of families from many different parts of the city, and their religious affiliations varied from the very evangelicals to the very Catholic. Uh, we also learned to navigate the crazy bus system as well as learning to hail taxis and get around the city. We learned the bargaining bargaining system in the markets, and you can see the various textiles that we purchased there, as well as the Peruvian flag and the Incan flag. Uh, we also took two extended field trips, one to Cusco, where we got to see many ruins, and Machu Picchu, and we also took a trip to Chincha, uh, south of Lima, a coastal city, where there's lots of Afro-Peruvian influence, and we'll actually be hearing some... Um, accompaniment from the cajones, which are some instruments that originated there. We also visited uh, many other ruins in and around Lima. And while we were staying in Lima, we also spent every day going to language classes in the morning and various uh, classes learning about Peruvian culture in the afternoons. We visited two shanty towns on the edges of Lima where we did some building, some construction, and we played with small children. And all during our time in Lima, along with our studies, we also had time to enjoy many of the wonderful foods of Peru, ranging from cow hearts to guinea pigs. And we ate a lot of chocolate cake. Yeah. <laughs> and also we went to a rival soccer team between two Lima teams, which you will hear more about later. And we heard a large variety of music, ranging from the Andean wino to the more popular regaton in the city. Um, after our time in Lima, we spread out to seven different locations throughout the country, each place being unique and special regarding the demographics and climate. Some went up north to the city of Piura, where it was hot and dry all day. Some traveled 20 plus hours to the mountainous department of Cusco, where the ancient Incan capital is located. Others were located in the coastal town of Chimbote, which is similar to Lima, but very noted for its fish meal production. Some 
went to the heart of the Andes to the Huaylash region, which boasts Mount Huascaran, the tallest mountain in Peru at over 22,000 feet. One person was in the coastal city of Chancay, which was also similar to Lima, but much more sunny. Some went to the city of Huancayo, a mountainous city near the edge of the jungle. And finally, there was one person who remained in Lima, but was with a new host family. And each person had a different experience on service, with assignments varying from helping to provide care for sick people, taking care of or teaching young children, making a guinea pig database, working in a comedor or a soup kitchen, working in a Catholic parish, teaching English, farming, and added to the service assignments we were provided with, we did a lot of hanging out, getting to know a lot of people, and watching the World Cup. Service provided an opportunity for each person to get to know another part of Peru, a country that has been given the analogy of a blind beggar on a gold stool, and that the richness of the country is unknown to so many people. We now hope to give you a glimpse into the more personal experiences that we had in Peru through some journal readings and stories, and even some skits. Um, and throughout the rest of this presentation, some facts about Peru will be interjected, starting with Christy and Dee. Pisco, Ceviche, Chirimoya, Gurubana, Lucuma, and Granadilla are all products of Peru. In only one tree in the region of the Madre de Dios rainforest, entomologists found 5,000 species of insects. 80% were new to science. Now I'd like to ask you to turn in your Sing the Journey books to page 88 to sing a song that our group often sang weekly as we met at Bevendale's house that we called Goshen Tambo. And we would meet there for a time of worship, reflection, and just hanging out together as a group. Um, we will be singing this through, um, yes, um, we will be singing this through once ourselves um, and the group will do the first verse, which would be equivalent to the Christ the Lord verse. And then um, after we repeat that, we'll go back and sing the English. And we will invite you to join with us for that. And go on to Jesus Says, which would be the second verse. And then go back and repeat the chorus. And we'll be doing that in the South African, which is Alleluia Pelotarona, Di Tabile Ka Ofela. And um, Joel and Gabe will be playing the cajones along with us. Um, as Matthew said, these were purchased um, in Peru, and they are Afro-Peruvian drum that we got to see played on our field trip to Chincha. And um, to start off with, I'd like you to all stand, and I will bring you in when you're supposed to come in. Three, 
Thank you. You may be seated. Quinoa, a high-protein grain, is Peruvian. There are more than 25 varieties. The potato is also Peruvian, and there are more than 2,000 different varieties. I'm going to share a journal entry that I wrote while I was, had spent maybe about three or four weeks in Lima, and it just describes my morning commute, commute to uh, Spanish class. Riding the bus and writing in my journal may not be very nice for handwriting, but it is some free time to listen to the cobrador yelling, a Brazil, a Brazil, a Brazil, the name of the avenue I want to get to. Riding the combi in the morning to the tune of honking horns, the smell of gasoline, change clinking in the dirty hand of the cobrador, Lima is a city alive with sounds, sights, and smells that I get a nice sampling of every morning. Now that I know this route better, I have a few landmarks along the way, some obvious, some not as much. The first one is when I leave my house. Across the street is a children's daycare, and the fences out front are all the colors of the rainbow. Then, as I walk down Tomas Marsano, there is a part where it looks as though someone took a large bite out of the sidewalk. Everyone competes for the tiny parts still there. I personally have only succeeded twice. Other times, I had to walk through the cavernous part or wait my turn. Once on the bus, we turn to onto Ejercito, and there is a flower shop. In the, in the afternoons, it is glorious. After, for a while after this, I space out until I get to Avenida Brazil. Then the best landmark of all is the gigantic Virgin Mary. She is elevated off the ground by three thick cement arms as high as about a five-story building. Mary herself is quite tall and usually surrounded by mist in the morning, making her head disappear into the clouds. I don't know why she fascinates me so much. I wonder what her history is in this city. On the bus, there are people dressed in a variety of ways, school uniforms, uncomfortable-looking heels, and jeans, which are mine. In the morning, there are men in suits sleeping, old, young. There does not seem to be a special kind of person or one age group that rides these buses. My morning commute is perhaps my favorite time of day. Aha, there is Mary now. I'm going to sit back and watch her blessing on Avenida Brazil. The corn with the largest, most tender kernels in the world is Peruvian. Also, the Peruvian avocado is the mildest in the world. Hi, I'm Joel Gonzalez. And I'm Rachel Myers. Um, during our time in Peru, and well, when you're in a foreign country uh, learning and learning a new language, you're bound to make a few mistakes. Uh, these are a couple of our favorite bloopers that we made. Uh, these are not necessarily the people who said them, but we thought they were funny. So, and there will be some translation with them as well. Estoy tan embarazada. What Christina is trying to say is, I'm so embarrassed. But which, what Christina said was, I'm so pregnant. Cuanto queso. What Johnny was trying to say is, how much does it cost? Cuanto cuesta. What Johnny said is, how much cheese? 
Tengo hombre. What Greta is trying to say is, I'm hungry, but it's tengo hambre. But instead, she said, I have a man. Puedo sentir aquí. What Marcos is trying to say is, can I sit here? Puedo sentarme aquí. But what he said is, can I feel here? The weeping willow tree is Peruvian and contains a component that is the base for aspirin. Um, one of the most meaningful and thought-provoking experiences for many of us was visiting the shanty town of Pamplona, a scattered collection of thousands of lean-tos and shacks huddled together on the waterless dust dunes in the fringes of Lima. We visited with the intention of a small building project, but there were so many of us that we, many of us just ended up playing with the kids. This was part of my journal entry for that day. Today we visited Pamplona. I spent most of my time with the kids, especially a few little girls. Never having grown up with a sister, being called hermana took me a little off guard. The kids had so much energy, and I was pretty tired from Brisa del Titicaca last night, but it was hard to say no to, to their continual pleas for rides on backs, shoulders, arms, whatever. Some of them seemed so inappropriately dressed for how sunny and hot it was, and most of them were filthy. My level of discomfort would be so incredibly high living here. Things don't seem quite right to me if there's not a way to plug my iPod into larger speakers. When I feel dirty, my need to shower is highest on my priority list. And I am completely incapable of taking cold showers. Should that be my only option, I would sponge bath instead. I get cranky if I have to share a room with someone. In short, I am completely not cut out to be poor in Lima. But who among them decided to live there because they felt they had the constitution for a difficult life? And because it is often near my mind in this place, I find myself wondering, as I grew numb to the sheer numbers of shelters and dune after dune, about the gay, lesbian, or otherwise queer folk who reside in that place. I wondered whether they were even able to put a name to the difference they must feel. With that many people, it was impossible that all were straight, but I still found myself doubting that many, if any, of those living there were practicing, or even necessarily knew how to acknowledge that part of themselves. Is there even time or energy for self-discovery of unexpected truths? My struggles here as una gringa lesbiana are, in fact, a blessing. I have the luxury of being able to worry about more than simply how I am going to feed my children today. I have the luxury of being unsatisfied in a minimum wage job, of being swamped and overwhelmed by schoolwork, of spending money and time on self-expression rather than simply survival. I have the luxury of getting sick because my body is not used to the food of a foreign nation, of living in a place where the loud party next door is keeping me from sleeping, of feed feeding my fiber bread queso y mermelada sandwiches to a flea-ridden stray dog because I am in no doubt of another meal in a few hours. I suppose even that I have the luxury of being offended when my body is devoured without permission by eyes that will, in fact, never see more than I myself allow. I have known other. I have known the safety of a city where I can walk at night, swaggering in heels and men's tuxedo jacket, my fear more that the cops will bust up the party than that the men I am with will decide to use me for a woman. I have tasted grape juice and peanut butter and know what I am missing. I have the opportunity to be bored by lectures. I have the possibility of being so blessed by so much material comfort that when I leave Peru, I'll have to check two bags and pay for exceeding the weight limit. 
My massive college and credit card debt is a luxury that few to none of these adorable brown-eyed girls are going to ha ever be able to worry about. Even my, depress my depression is a luxury that I have had the ability to work through rather than ignore. Next to the problems these people face, mine seems so petty. It's a balance I'm having trouble striking. How can I earnestly respect the struggles I see here without completely writing off my own? Peru has the largest variety of food dishes in the world. There are currently 468 different dishes according to the Guinness Book of World Records. Uh, my host family in Lima uh, bears some striking resemblances to my family in the States. Uh, my mother was, a, likewise in the States, my mother was a teacher and my father was a pastor. However, there were two key differences between the two. Uh, one, my family in Lima rose no farther than above my elbow. And the second was that uh, my father was an evangelical preacher, as opposed to my father in the States being one of Protestant uh, Methodist. Anyway, so it was something that uh, took me a bit by surprise. Uh, it's common in Lima, the uh, evangelical church is rising. It's now around 20% of the uh, general area of Lima has become evangelical, and it's fastly growing. So uh, our first Sunday, dressed in Sunday's best, we uh, marched down to the church. And uh, because I was part of the pastor's family, I sat right in the front row, which made me stick out even more. Uh, and uh, the service went, went through. Um, they cried. They spoke in tongues. Uh, and, and, uh, but I came out of there, though not understanding about 90% of the, uh, the actual sermon or the service, feeling very welcomed and overcome by, by faith. I, it was a different perspective and shifted my perspective of the evangelical church, both in Peru and in the United States, and was one of great power. Maca and Juanarpo Macho, principal ingredients of Viagra, are native Peruvian roots. I'm Joel. And I'm Bloris. Uh, we were lucky enough to be in Peru during the World Cup of 2006, La Copa Mundial. Although Peru did not qualify for Germany, it ha and it hasn't since 1982, it was great to be in a country where soccer was talked about every day and to see the high energy around every game involving any South American team. Some families would schedule and construct their work day around watching the World Cup. Every little boy, I would ask, would be rooting for either Brazil, Argentina, or Ecuador. Since the World Cup was to happen during our six weeks of service, I was a bit scared that I wouldn't see any of the games or even hear about them. Instead, a lot of us found ourselves walking around our little towns and with tons of people crowded around TVs around in any shop or store they could find, chatting with the person next to them about how good or bad this and that team was. At bus stops, or combi stops, you could hear men start off their day talking about La Copa, La Copa, La Copa. Some of my best experiences on service were talking soccer with the townspeople and my coworkers in each town that I visited. During our lunch breaks, my coworkers and I would rush to the nearest menu place or lunch place and catch up on what had happened that day or try, and try to delay getting back to work as much as possible so we could watch the end of the game. They would laugh at me whenever, whenever we watched the U.S. play because the U.S. didn't win one game. 
I would usually respond by, well, at least we are there. <laughs> and they would laugh, and it would go back and forth. But I found out that most Peruvian players, um, for instance, uh, the jerseys we're wearing are from the team, club team Alianza Lima. They only make about $1,000 to, $1, to $1,500 a month. And it's hard for them to compete with many other countries where their players make ten dollars to $20,000 a month. Uh, we had the opportunity to see one of these games played uh, in a big rival match between Alianza Lima and another team called Sporting Cristal. Okay, so Alianza and Cristal were both uh, sort of like the home teams for Lima, and as a lot of you know, um, each city in a place where soccer is really popular has sort of a bunch of home teams that play each other and big rivalries form, and it's just a lot of fun to, to go and watch. So we had the opportunity actually to go to one of these games, and our connection was through Ruben, Matt's host brother, um, who is a part of an Alianza fan club called Commando Sur. Um, and he had arranged for us to get tickets and to be escorted to this game and by the rest of the club members. So basically we had bodyguards. A group gathered at Matt's house, then walked to a somewhat shady clubhouse uh, and then over to the stadium. During the game, we snacked on uh, yogurts in strange flavors and chatted with our bodyguards. After a while, we noticed that a concentration of people was forming just behind the seating section, behind the goal that we were closest to. I asked the guard I was talking to what was going on. He said that that was the barra. Uh, the barra is a mass of fans, only men as far as I could see, who were screaming, chanting, singing, and basically going nuts, waving their shirts in the air. Uh, yeah. Um, at random, the men would divide and shove each other out of the way um, to form a clear spot where a stick of dynamite would explode, um, releasing a cloud of smelly smoke. A split second after the explosion, the bodies would pour back into the space and resume their jumping and cheering. I wanted to go into the barra. So, along with some other Goshenites, um, I went with my bodyguards into this ridiculous crowd. My new friend kept, took great care to keep me safe. He shoved other fans out of the way and walked me deeper and deeper into the barra all the time with one hand on the small of my back. In the end, we made it out alive. And we weren't in the barra when one of the avalanches happened. Um, that's when all the fans surged towards the goal and chain link fence that separates them from it um, and form a sort of human landslide, sometimes crushing each other in the process. We didn't get to go through that. <laughs> so now I've been to a soccer game in Latin America, one life goal accomplished, uh, but the story can't be finished without a moral lesson, as all good SST stories must. My little lesson has to do with our bodyguards. These guys seem pretty tough, and I think it's pretty safe to assume they weren't from the highest economic strata. During the game, they were only half paying attention to the players. Mostly they were watching the barra while all their friends were going crazy. After a week of work and just life, the games were probably a, bliss a blissful break from their reality. I felt bad that they had to babysit our group rather than joining in the fun, but I'm also really glad I got to talk with them. During my conversation with my bodyguard, I happened to mention that I didn't live with my parents. Here, it's completely normal, if not expected. In Peru, if you live on your own, especially as a woman, you might be assumed to be a bad girl. This guy took it in a stride. He said, oh, I understand. Sometimes it's just better like that. He really didn't understand, not really. And my parents and I have a great relationship. But what's important is that it didn't matter to him. Not in his culture, not living with my parents would fit, fit me snugly into the category of prostitute. But he didn't blink an eye. I might have crossed the street to avoid him if I'd seen him on a sidewalk, and he did look really threatening. But this was really a very understanding and opening, an open person. I'm a PJCS student. I should already know this. But this experience managed to teach me again not to judge people by my first impression. We would like 
to now teach you one of the chants that we learned at the soccer game. And uh, the lyrics are going to be up on the board there. Uh, we're just going to go over this. And if I could have some of the SST people stand up and join me behind me. The other thing is, if you guys want to take off your shirts and um, go like this with them, and if anybody's got any dynamite, the open circle in the center is up for it. There are the words. Uh, we'll just go through it really quick. It's ole, 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 ola. Ole, 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 cada día te quiero más. Yo soy de alianza. Uh, sí, señor. Es un sentimiento de corazón y no puedo parar. It's basically a love song <laughs> to their team. It's great. So we'll do it a couple times. With over 1,701 different kinds of birds, Peru is the country with the largest variety in the world. Also, 84 of the 103 ecological zones that exist in the world are in Peru. I'm a little out of breath. Uh, my name is Hannah Esch, and uh, one thing that SSTers learn a lot of times during their, during their stay in other countries is what it's like to be in the minority. As most of us are members of groups in the states that are in positions of relative power, such as a college-educated white woman like myself, um, we don't often encounter people assuming negative things about us or treating us in negative ways based on the color of our skin or hair. On SST, we experience loving hospitality and acceptance from the vast majority of Peruvians but we also attract a lot of attention um, in the form of stares, or for women, um, about a million cat calls each time we step outside. Uh, some of the encounters are a bit more hostile, and I'll be reading a short entry from my journal about one such example. Before I start, it's important to say that this type of situation is not typical at all of the Peruvian attitude towards American visitors, um, but it's also important to say that a lot of um, significant lessons are, that are to be learned are often acquired through difficult or uncomfortable means. I know I stick out. My white skin, green eyes, blonde hair don't exactly scream Peruana, Peruvian. And to some, maybe I represent the worst of what the U.S. can be, ignorant, arrogant, imperialistic. But all I've gotten so far are hisses, whistles, que bonita, and maybe, at worst, the occasional semi-contemptuous gringa. Today we sought out the giant market in Huancayo. The first million blocks are mostly clothes and household items, things gringos don't usually buy here, and we were the only ones in the tightly packed crowd. We passed a stand where an old man selling shoes said, gringas, cuidado, be careful. And I thought, yeah, yeah, we'll try not to get robbed. 
30 seconds later, I felt something hit my hair. I reached back and my hand came back, wet and slimy. Either someone had just thrown snot fruit at me without the seeds, or I had been spit on. Bethany's neck was in the same condition. We were in shock. Why would anyone do that? I would never spit on someone. I felt angry, violated, appalled, and somehow apologetic. For what, I'm not exactly sure. For whatever I did or represented to this person that made them want to do that. That was the second time I cried in Peru. I think I would have rather have been punched than spit on. I just felt so dirty. I came home, and since there isn't any water after six, I knelt down and washed my hair from a bucket. The Amazon River, which has about a thousand tributaries, is the largest flow of water in the world. Its origin is in Peru and is one of the two healthiest rivers on the planet. Hello, I'm Sam Yoder. I was asked to say a little about service, and you can't sum this up in two minutes, but I'm going to try. On my service assignment in Peru, I was sent to the coastal town of Chancay in Lima province. There I was to farm for a month and a half. The idea of going to a town completely by myself into a family that knew, knew no English was a little unsettling. I had gotten very comfortable in Lima. But there in Chancay, I found a different, slower-paced world that reminded me more of home. The first few days were spent finding my way around and learning enough Spanish to accurately converse with my family. The first day, it only took an hour or so to become completely enchanted by the four rocky hectares along the Pan American Highway. I loved everything about the farm, the walk there, the stories about farming, the ability to see the ocean, and finally, a chance to work. Funny how three hours of shoveling can be fun. Perhaps what I loved most about the farm was its owner, Juan Carlo, my host father, an inventor, farmer, theologian, and storyteller, also my teacher. This was the man who helped me understand Peru, showing me his whole family and helping me with my final project, teaching me to cook, and his family. His family was all but the typical Peruvian family. For I was treated like a son and not a visitor, the color of my skin and hair only mentioned to say I look nice or to remind me I needed sunscreen in my hat at the farm. We were told service was not a time to change what works. It is a time to help. Yet I struggled to help. I wanted to make a difference in some kind of lasting way. Fixing lots of things and helping as much as I could were not enough. I left spiritually renewed, full of stories and ideas. I went to make a change but I came back changed. I went in scared and alone, and I was sad to leave. Service is a time to be more than an observer. It is a time to work within a culture you find yourself placed in. It is a chance to understand your huge part in this world. Gracias por venir a nuestra comunicación. Váyase en paz. Thanks for coming to our combo. Go in peace. <laughs>